Alright, alright, a very warm welcome to the Gardner's Triplicity. I'm your host Gardner and today we are talking about forgiveness. Why should you forgive and how should you forgive? Life has taught me that there are two most powerful emotions, if not checked, can mentally and physically, spiritually affect your life being. Anger and bitterness, ladies and gentlemen, can blindfold you from the goodness that the world has to offer for you. How you choose to respond towards these two emotions determines how your life becomes. Viktor Frankl, in his famous book, Man's Search for Meaning, said that there is a difference between stimuli and response. But in your response lies the power not to change circumstances, but to change yourself, to change who you are. People are complaining. They are complaining and blaming how the pandemic has affected their lives. And uh, it's not far away. Yesterday, I was just uh, talking to my father, who happens to be a very successful farmer. He was complaining as well. He was telling me how the dry season, how the sun had dried up over five acres of his onions. But I want to assure you that we can blame, we can complain however much we want. Nobody comes forth to blame themselves yet. Their difference lies in the way you respond to yourself, not to the circumstances. Yet within you lies the response, rise the power. Circumstances will always come. There was this story of a dog which was barking, yowling, and moaning all day long. So it attracted attention of uh, passersby. So old man felt so pity for the dog. He decided to move forward and go and ask the owner who happened to be sitting beside it why his dog is wowing and groaning and making a lot of noise. The owner told the old man that the dog was sitting on a three-inch nail. The old man couldn't believe and couldn't know why the dog was not getting up. old man was told by the owner that the dog was not feeling much pain enabled it to get up off the nail. Many of us are just like that dog. We have decided to keep on the nail and complain and blame. Yet within us lies the response to get up the nail and seek help. To get up and change who we are. Not to fight circumstances because we don't have control over circumstances, but to change who you are. And that is where your power lies. Ladies and gentlemen, your choices in life will determine who you are, will determine who you become, will determine what you want to do, be and have. Two boys who happened to be twins were brought up by their alcoholic father. But 50 years down the road, one of the boys was very successful. He was a billionaire owning different companies. And the media was very much interested in him having interviews here and there. The journalists came to find out that this billionaire had a brother. His brother was a drunkard. He was an alcoholic. So they went on the search to find out what exactly motivated these two to do what they did. And they went to the successful one. He told them that having been brought up by an alcoholic father, he made a commitment to himself never to be like him. He decided to work hard. He started to toil. He started to sacrifice whatever little he had that made him who he was. While his other brother was interviewed, the drunkard, he alluded his drunkardness to his father. 
he said his father was a drunkard. When you look at these two twins, their background was the same. Their father was the same. But because they made different choices, their different choices led to different results and their different results led to who they were. One who allowed circumstances control who he was became a drunkard. Years back, I was doing my mind science classes and my teacher told me something very amazing. He said that in life, there are two ways on how we respond to circumstances, on how we respond to adversities, on how we respond to, to any challenge that comes our way. He said the first way is to fight. When those adversities, challenges come before you, you fight them. You face them head on and fight them to the end until you're successful. He said the other response was flight. You run away. You run away from the circumstances. You run away from the challenges. You run away from the diversities. And sometimes you do both. You fight and run. And this happened to me when I was a kid. I was often fighting because, you know, boys were always fighting and sometimes would fight and run. You know, you're throwing stones, you're running to kick this person, he's running after you, but you're trying to run. We did both. But life has come to teach me that there is the third response that me and you should start, me and you should do to make our life worth living. And this third response is to stand still and forgive. Ladies and gentlemen, forgiveness determines your level of happiness, determines your level of success in your life. Jesus, while he was being brought before Pharaoh, he had options. He would have decided to run away. He would have decided to fight them because he had the ability. He would have decided to run and fight as well. But all he did was to decide and take the third process. He stood still and forgave. He said, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Your life being, your life progress, your life happiness is determined, is directly proportioned to your level of forgiveness. Failure to forgive will keep you fighting and not fighting the other, but fighting yourself. I was brought up in a Christian family and whenever I did something wrong, my parents, my siblings, or the people that were around me in our society, they would tell me, go and ask for forgiveness. Go and ask for forgiveness from the other that you have wronged. And we used to go. You would walk and tell this person how sorry you are. And you wait for them to tell you that they have forgiven you. This is how we are brought up. This is how we bring our children today. But there was something not right there was something you'd feel within you that was not right. After you've been forgiven, somebody will start to avoid you. Somebody will keep on bringing back the incident, echoing it back in your ears. Sometimes you'll feel ashamed. You'll feel resented. You'll feel angry. And sometimes people try to avoid you and don't come back to play. Why was this so? And why is this so? It is just because we try to ask for forgiveness on a physical level. 
Forgiveness is not to the other, but forgiveness is to yourself. And because it is to yourself, it has to be on a spiritual level. Why? Because forgiveness deals with your attitude, it deals with your soul, it deals with your mind. The start, you forgive yourself. You forgive from within. You forgive yourself for having allowed the other person hurt you. You forgive yourself for having exposed yourself to let the other person hurt you. You would remain dissatisfied today is because you're forgiving on the physical level. Forgiveness, ladies and gentlemen, is a spiritual matter that requires spiritual battles. Otherwise, you keep acting like the foolish Galatians who are looking up to the sky for the coming of Jesus. And Apostle Paul had to inform them that why do they think things that started in the spirit can end in the physical? So forgiveness is in the spirit, not in the physical. Forgiveness is letting go. Forgiveness is giving up. Forgiveness is giving up the negative emotions, the negative attitude that is within you. So it is an emotional state of being that you able to let go and give up. Carrying the hatchet, if you may like, to a new fresh, to a new start that is within you. Have you been in a jam? The light is already red and somebody behind you is hooting and hooting and even putting up their heads to abuse you to move forward. Ladies and gentlemen, people are hurting. People are angry. People have resentment within them. People have failed to let go of the negative emotions. They've let go of the negative states. States are boiling and trying to find somebody to rest their anger and bitterness onto. It's just like when you have a pipe and this pipe is transporting joy, it's transporting love, it's transporting happiness. And all of a sudden, you bring anger, you bring bitterness, you bring resentment and hold the pipe very tight, stopping love, stopping joy, stopping happiness from getting through. This is how people are reacting. They are acting because of bitterness and anger and resentment that are holding them up. You cannot have love and anger in the same cup. You need to let go. So that means you, you need to let go of the anger. You need to let go of bitterness. You need to let go of the resentment so that you can allow love to come in, allow love to flow. And you cannot see anything positive. You cannot do anything positive when you're angry, when you're bitter, when you're resentful because everything has been blocked, blocked from sight of seeing goodness. That is the situation where you find people running away from you or you're trying to run away from a person, you're trying to avoid a person, you're angry at a person, and yet this person you're running from or you're angry to does not even remember when everything fell west, when everything went wrong. Because you are holding on to that, it affects your sense of judgment. It keeps running, resonating in your mind that even when you meet this person, you try to avoid them. Yet these people are innocently moving without any problem, without any uh, jealousy, without any bitterness with you. But because you're guilty, you hide. Today, I want to urge you to choose love. Choose love not because it is the hardest thing to do, but choose love because it is the only thing for you to do. The Bible reminds you or reminds us that we love because we are first loved. This is the greatest commandment there. Love your neighbor. Love one another as God loved you. You cannot love unless you have forgiven because love is the test for forgiveness.
People have always wondered, why did Christ come? Christ answered this question when he said he never came to bring peace, but he came to bring a sword. Wait a minute. Why of all things did he choose a sword? Why a sword and not peace? When you read further in Matthew 10, 36, Jesus said that a man's foe, a man's enemies are those of his household, are those of his family. Simple terms, your enemies are within you. So the battles that you fight, the battles that you're up to win are within you, not without. Because if there is no enemy within, the enemy without has no power over you. And these enemies are your responses, not the circumstances. But how you respond to those circumstances is what determines who you are. When you think out loud, you'll find that all these circumstances are happening to you just because you have refused to let go. And power anything outside of you can have over you is the power you have willingly given out. Just imagine, we are told, go and ask for forgiveness from the other. That was a physical interpretation and a physical move. You go to the other, you ask for forgiveness, but you've not forgiven where forgiveness starts from, which is inside of you, which is a spiritual sense of being, or which is an attitude set or mindset. And this is more of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a spiritual matter. You decide to resolve everything regardless and spiritually. So the two-edged sword that Jesus alluded to or that Jesus talked about, he meant your tongue. Your tongue is the two-edged sword that can either destroy you or that can build you. Remember, it bears witness to what you think. And you cannot say anything unless you've thought about it first in your mind. So with your mind and with your words, you, you give life to the unseen. Build a life that you desire. You build a life to the other. And if your thoughts are negative, are full of anger, are full of resentment, are full of jealousy, are full of bitterness, that means that is the life you're building around yourself. And that is where we derive the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, the law of sowing and reaping. You always bring forth after your kind. Remember, God is never mocked. Before I share with you the subtitle of forgiveness or how to forgive, you need to first know what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting, but reframing of the negative thought. Reframing is all about replacing the negative with a positive. God forgave you not for who you are, nor for what you become, or for what you have. God forgives you for who he is. He is love regardless of whatever you do. And because you were created in his image, it's the same reason as to why you should forgive. Because you are love. The second is that forgiveness does not mean you were not hurt or in pain or the pain has gone. Forgiveness is all about allowing yourself, allowing to free yourself, allowing yourself to let go of the negative consequences, to let go of the negative uh, emotions, to let go of the negative thoughts so that you can build an act, so that you can be reborn afresh. And you cannot be added on to when you still have. So you need to let go, just like the pipe. Stop holding and pressing it. Let it go. Let love, let joy, let happiness move. And you do that by letting go. You empty your cup. The third is that forgiveness does not mean you excuse yourself as though the offense or act never happened to you. You accept it and minimize responsibility on the part of the wrongdoer. 
and on the part of yourself. God forgave King David's sins but never shielded him from the consequences of his actions. They were even recorded for you, me, to remember. So, for you to be able to forgive, the first step is to accept or acknowledge that somebody's omissions or acts have affected you. Acknowledgement and admitting the pain is the first step for you to walk through pain itself. Why? Because it is a sign that something negative happened to you and you're trying to let go. You forgive to the degree at which you love. Out of love, you forgive. The second step is that you need to think through what happened. Take personal evaluation. Look at the good side of the person and consider his omissions and acts as a one-time take, as a one-time offender. I was still in law school. We are told that uh, before giving judgment, look at the past practice, look at the past history of the criminal. If he's a first-time offender, sometimes their sentences are minimized. So for you as well, you need to take personal evaluation and look at this person as a first-time offender. Listen to the emotions that arise within you and do not be judgmental. Let them be. Write them down. Even King David's uh, omissions and acts were written down. Write them down, evaluate without placing any judgment. Take full responsibility regardless of what the cause was. We earlier on said that forgiveness is about letting go. It's about you, not the other. Matter of fact, circumstances do not make you a bad person. But how you respond to them does. The third step is that you need to revise. Oh, Revision. After you have acknowledged that you have been hurt, evaluate your emotions and the feelings behind the emotions. You need to revise. Revision is the deliberate withdrawal of your attention or feelings or emotions from the focus, from the wrongdoer or from the wrong act to yourself. Putting that act or person as it is supposed to be, not at how it was or should, but is. Remember, in God's eyes, we are all created in his image and love and unlikeliness. And he said whatever he created was beautiful. Whatever is created was good. So while you revise, you remove the negative, putting the positive as how it should be in the eyes of God. Now you know why it is a mental and spiritual matter happening at a spiritual level. In Ephesians chapter 4 26 says that be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give an opportunity to the devil. This means that anger in itself is not sin. But how you use your anger determines whether it is sin or not. And here, I'm talking about your attitude towards anger, the way you respond towards anger, your mental attitude, your spiritual awareness of being. So before the sun sets, before the moon rises, as you're on your bed, be silent and meditate. Meditate about the day errands. Meditate about how your day has gone. Because if you prolong forgiveness, you give the devil a foothold. So in your silence, you erase the mistakes and replace them with good things. You erase the bad images and replace them with God's images. You look at this person as how he is supposed to be, not as how he was or what he did. And of course you can't do this unless you're filled with love, joy, and happiness. 
The Bible says that to him that knows how to do good with love does not sin. So you revise and rewrite your story as it should, not as it was. The parable of the prodigal son teaches us how to get back our mind, how to radically transform ourselves and look at ourselves as how God looks at us. And not only you, but to others. You know the prodigal son had rebelled against himself. He decided to break away from the father. He decided to go his own way. Just like you and me have decided not to forgive. But when you turn inward, you realize that in your father's presence, you are whole, you are happy, and you are fulfilled. So you forgive yourself and he forgives you and welcomes you back in his house. Your aim and my aim is to get through the get, turning the invisible to the visible. Who lies the presence, lies the power of God. And all you take through should be nothing but the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Which means you take your mind, you take your thoughts, and you take your words to God through the I am get. Because only truth can fill you with love and joy. Nolan Adlin once said that the day the child realizes that all the adults are imperfect, it is the day, it is the day it becomes an adolescent. And the day it learns how to forgive and actually goes ahead to forgive, it is the day it becomes an adult. But the day it forgives, not the other, but itself, it is the day it becomes wise and perfect. Remember where you learnt it from. The Gardener's Field.